Father, thank you for the great grace that you have provided for today. We believe, Lord, that by the end of this service, every person in this building will know the ministry direction that you have for their lives. Lord, we pray that you are in our midst. And, Father, that you grace us with the words of life brought to life by the Holy Ghost under the head of the church, Jesus Christ. Lord, we invite you to have your way and be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, If you're a believer, if you're a true believer, and I believe that we're living in a time that there are a lot of false converts, I'd encourage you, if you haven't read the book or listened to the message called Hell's Best Kept Secret, it's free, it's a free download, and uh, I would encourage you, again, it will change the way you look at evangelism. There was a day that uh, ten people came to the altar, nine people remained saved, or remained in relationship, and uh, now for every ten that come, one. So something's changed. That message will help you to see that. But if you're a true believer in Jesus Christ, if you're a part of His body, eventually you're going to come to a place that says, what am I called to do? What's my part in this? When you say the word ministry, ministry for most people means the guy with the cool microphone and stands behind the pulpit or the keyboard people. That's ministry. That's, the, that's what ministry is. But that's not necessarily true. Those are ministry, but they're not the only ministry. Uh, or you, we begin to ask, uh, I know I'm called to do something, but I can't sing, I can't preach. And is what I do really all that important to the body of Christ? Will it make a difference? In We're all hoping that someday there will be a great harvest revival that will come. So we say, I want to do something for the Lord. I want to do something for God. And so we struggle. Now, I want to tell you that that thing on the inside of you that says, I want to do something for the Lord, is, is just a little proof that you are a part of the body of Christ. Because Jesus said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give my life a ransom for many. So if you're truly a part of His body, then at the DNA level of your Christianity, if I can say it like that, at the DNA level of your Christianity is a desire to serve, just like Jesus. If you're a part of His body, then you you got to want to on the inside of you. And the Bible tells us that every joint supplies. Every part is important. We need, we need the whole body. In all the traveling that the Lord has graciously allowed me to do, I used to go to places and think, I'm going to go really help these people. But I would come back and I'd think, they did more for me than I did for them. 
And I realized, regardless of state or status, that these people were a part of the body of Christ. And I needed them as much as they needed me. We need each other. If you're a believer, I need you. He can stay. That's all right. We'll get him back up here later. I got my eye on him. Uh, so, we, all of us, have a place. And it's the same Spirit. I love the Spirit in here today. I was in Uganda in January of this year, and it was like being in a Tarzan movie. The thatched roofs and, and red soil and uh, mud houses. And we would travel hours and hours, and let's say the meeting was going to start at 1, we wouldn't get there till 5. And yet the building would be full of people worshiping and praising, and you'd walk in, you know, you're fearful a little bit on the way there because you think, my word, where are we going? And uh, But when you get there and you get in the building and that Spirit of God just is there, you think, I'm at home. I'm at home. This is where God lives. This is the same Spirit. But most of us don't see ministry as what we do. We see it only here. Take one step forward, guys. I'm a, a not a huge fan, but I was when I was a kid, of the, the old Star Trek. Remember the old Star Trek? You know, to boldly go where no man has gone before. You know, I, I loved it. You know, Captain Kirk and such. And uh, I, I thought, I was thinking about that show, and believe it or not, I looked, uh, you can find anything online, I looked how many crew members were on the Starship Enterprise. Do you know? 428. Isn't that amazing? 428 crew members on the Starship Enterprise. And yet, each show would start like this. Uh, they would uh, come into a place, uh, this new world that they would discover. We've never seen this world before. Uh, you know, guys, set your phasers on stun, and then they would beam me down, Scotty kind of thing, and uh, a landing party would go down to check and see if there was life there. Now, it, it blows my mind, 428 people in the uh, in the crew, but almost every show when that landing party went down to see if there was life, because on on the planet there there was always Captain Kirk. He was always there. He was there with him. There was always Doc. He went down. Who, who took care of the sick people? There was there was always Spock. Yeah. And, and then there was this guy. And the show would continue, and uh, they're looking around, and these guys are looking around, and he's looking around, and somewhere along the way, some rock would turn into a monster, some hole would open up, and you just knew somebody was going to die. 
Can anyone tell me who's going to die? Who's going to die? Right. This is, this is what's known as the expendable crewman. He doesn't have a name. He does have a job. He's one of 428. But he's known as the expendable crewman. So my question is, why doesn't uh, Captain Kirk, Doc, or Spock die? Because if they die, there's no show next week. Right? There's no show. So we got to have Captain Kirk, the pastor. we got to have Doc, the worship leader. We gotta have Spock the elder, and as long as they're there, we can have church. But most of us in the body of Christ, we think we're this guy. That what we do doesn't really matter. Whether I'm there or not, it doesn't matter. And that's not the way that he's that Jesus sees his body. Go ahead and be seated, I'll call you back in a little bit. That's not the way that Jesus sees his body. And to make this point, when I'm uh, traveling and you're working through an interpreter, and uh, we go to pretty much third world kind of places, uh, Andhra Pradesh and India, which is a very poor part of India, Uganda and and such. um, When we go, I pay for my ticket to get to uh, the country. Um, today, the honorarium that they're giving me is going to be made out to your ministry matters. So it'll go into missions and it'll help us print books for the mission field or go do a seminar. And so will the stuff from the books. Um, but when we, when we travel and, and we go to these different places, we begin to see that God is at work. And so we, we pay to get there. I pay for my own hotel. I, I usually will pay, you know, I, I, when I say I, I mean we raise the money for the pastors um, to get there because most of them can't afford to travel. Sometimes you see guys that will ride two days double on a bike to get there. And so uh, if they have any travel, we'll give them a little travel stipend. We hire a cook. And we buy the food. And so, you know, they just can't. They, they don't have the resources. And so we'll get them in. And, and usually somewhere around the second day of the conference, to make the point of how important each part of the body is, I'll ask the ushers through the interpreter, please bring in the offering buckets. And they all look kind of funny because we helped them get there and now we're going to receive an offering and, you know, they feel a little squirmy. And I I bring the buckets in and I say, now listen, guys, this is not going to be your typical offering. This is going to be a special offering. At the bottom of the bucket, as it goes by you, you will find razor blades, knives, and scissors. Please, Pastor, cut from your body any part of your body that you feel you can do without. Put it in the bucket and we'll collect all those parts up here at at the altar. And, of course, you're doing it through an interpreter and they go, Wow, white people really are crazy. And then I'll let them off the hook and say, You know what? The buckets always come back empty. 
And here's why. Because, Pastor, there's no part of your body that you are willing to do without. And if you're willing to do without it, you're not willing to go through the pain of separation. Now, Pastor, if that's what you think about your body, your natural body, what do you think Jesus thinks about His? Are there really any expendable crewmen? Are there really any parts that He is willing to do without? Are there, are there really ones that, well, it doesn't matter, and He just throws an ear down or a finger or an elbow? No. Every part has a place. Now, I want you to go to 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 12. Let's think for a minute while you're going there of the book of Acts. Don't go there, but let's think of the book of Acts. Peter's denied the Lord three times. Uh, Pentecost has happened and Peter's out preaching. And the Bible says that on that day, 3,000 were added to the church. Can you imagine 3,000 people being added to this church in one day? And it says not only were 3,000 added to the church, 3,000 were baptized that day. Now, then they continued steadfastly, the Bible says, in the apostles' doctrine, prayer breaking of bread and fellowship. And God added daily those that were being saved. But all you hear about is Peter. You don't hear about anybody else. Now, I... I am not Superman, and I don't think Peter was either. I don't think Peter baptized 3,000 people by himself that day. I don't believe that Peter was able to set up uh, all the meetings that it took to teach the apostles doctrine, the breaking of bread, lead all the prayer services and fellowship. But all you hear is about Peter. Plus, the Lord added daily those that were being saved. Did Peter do all of that? That's all we hear about. But we also hear about a people called they. They met from house to house. They continued steadfastly. Some of the most important people in the Bible are people that are simply called they. They don't have names, but without them, revival cannot and will not happen. See, you say, well, I'm not really important. The opposite is, is true. The Bible is full of people called they, without which the work just ceases. There are no expendable crewmen, so you have to figure out where do you fit in. Do you fit in, and what is your call? Jesus said he would build his church, so he must have had a plan. He had to have a plan. And so we want to discover what that plan is. Now, before we go any farther, I want to make something extremely clear to you. Your number one ministry, above any other thing that you will ever do in your life, I can tell you without reservation that everyone in this room is called to it 
And that is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. God could care less if you go to Uganda and don't love Him. With all of your heart, your mind, your soul, and strength. Now, the second is like unto it, and that's what we're talking about, is loving your neighbor as yourself. Now, some people will say, well, I just don't know if I'm in the right place. Maybe, maybe I shouldn't be here. Maybe I should be in a different ministry. But I will give this to you and say 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 27 says, Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. Or verse 18, God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just where He pleased. You are in the body of Christ right where you pleased. Right where God pleased. And I'll say this and Pastor can fix it next week. But if you don't have a desire on the inside of you, something in there that says, i got to do something for the Lord. I've got to serve it, 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 I've, I've got to, I've got to get busy for God. If that's not there, if that desire is absent, I want you to question your salvation. Paul said, "Check yourself and see if you're even in the faith." If you don't have a desire to serve, Jesus did, and it was His body we're a part of. So if He wanted to serve, then you want to serve. There's a serving. There's a desire to serve. And what do you think? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and serve. Love your neighbor as yourself. And it's all over the Bible. Now, uh, 1 Corinthians 12.28 God hath set. God hath set. Like a pillar. The, the, the words God hath set mean to hold up a structure like a pillar. It's pillars like these. They're, they're pillars set into the wall to hold up the structure. It's a building term. If you look it up in the original language, it's a building term. So I would say this is important, right? Do we need this beam here? I would say whoever designed the building thought we did. And I'm not going to question him since I'm not an architect, so please don't remove the beam. But if somebody came in with a bulldozer and knocked over that beam, I'm out of here. Because to me, it makes the whole building unstable. So now the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12:28, God hath set like a pillar into the church. So these must be very, very important offices. It's something that will hold up. Remember, Jesus said, I will build my church. And so these must be very, very important ministries if God hath set them in the church and He is going to build the church around that. So let's see what they are. You can look in your Bible. God hath set in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers. Now, you can be an apostle, prophet, teacher, but you can't do it because you decided to. There has to be and anointing. There has to be. 
You can't be an apostle without an anointing. The anointing has to be there. The anointing is supernatural. You can't work it up. It's something that God gives. But let me just kill a sacred cow for you. There is only one anointing. And His name is Jesus Christ. Jesus, the Anointed One. Now, what do you mean there's one anointing? There's an anointing to be a pastor. There's an anointing to be a a worship leader. There's an anointing to be a greeter. No, no. There's one anointing. If there was an electrical outlet here, it had power inside of it, I could take and plug it into the wall. If I plugged plugged a fan into the wall, nice cool air. How did that air get there? The power that's in that plug. We just plugged into it, nice cool air. But if I was chilly, I could unplug my nice cool air and I could plug in a heater. (laughs) And the same power that gave me cool air is now giving me heat. What's the difference? Different functions. Same power, different functions. So there is an anointing for every part of the body of Christ. And there is these pillars that are anointed. God hath set in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers. Got to have an anointing for those. After that, miracles and gifts of healing. Boy, I prayed for a lot of people. When Vicki and I first moved to Iowa, we got a telephone call. We weren't there a month. And we were getting ready to go celebrate our anniversary. And uh, we got a call. Somebody knew somebody who knew somebody who knew we were in Iowa. Said, can you go up to the hospital? This guy's got cancer. The doctor's getting ready to go in and tell him he isn't going to live. Could you be there after the doctor comes out? Sure, I guess. Yeah, we could go do that. So we went there and... and uh, uh, I went into the room thinking I was going to be alone with him, but his family is all there, all around the bed, looking at me, wondering what I'm going to say. This guy's got a breathing tube in, I think. I said, Sir, I have prayed for people in worse conditions than you and seen the power of God manifest and heal them. But I also have prayed my best prayer for people just like you and they died that night. Same prayer. So, sir, whether you die tonight or you die 30 years from now, the truth is you're going to die. And so, it is appointed unto man one time to die and then comes the judgment How about if we deal with that first? Because the inevitable is coming. Let's deal with that first, then I'll pray for your healing. Hence, we had an opportunity to lead the man to Christ at at that point. But he did die several months later. He died. So, What I'm saying is, it is the anointing. I'll tell you another story. I was in India with my friend Tom Eli. You maybe know him. He's an evangelist. And 
I would teach during the day on the ministry of the helper. I would teach pastors in a pastor school all day uh, with a couple other guys. And at night, I would go to the crusade, and I would just sit on the platform. That's all I had to do is sit on the platform. I didn't say anything. I didn't do anything. I sat on the platform and swatted bugs. And there'd be 10,000 people there, 20,000 people sometimes. And Tom would get up and do his evangelist thing, and, and people would be healed. And then he would say, anybody that wants hands laid on them after the service was over, come up. And we would go up there, and uh, they would come up, and we would uh, stay on this side of a bar so they didn't trample us. And we would pray for people. We'd lay hands on them. What's your need? We'd work with an interpreter. And so I had a lady come up and she brought her daughter and she pushed her daughter forward. And I said to the interpreter, I said, What's, uh, what, what does she need prayer for? She said her daughter was born deaf. I said, okay, we'll pray for her. I prayed my best prayer. I, I squinted even and made those kind of noises. I prayed my best prayer for that girl. And I said to the interpreter, ask her what's happened. And nothing. Nothing. Prayed again. Nothing. Nothing. And so she went away throwing dirt in the air, crying, discouraged, didn't get her miracle. And I'm thinking, God, if I was you, I would have healed that girl. The next night, I was sick. I mean physically ill. And it would have been very easy for me to stay at the hotel since I don't do anything at the crusade. It would have been very easy for me to stay at the hotel. And to be honest with you, I wanted to stay at the hotel. I didn't want to go sit through one of those sweaty meetings. Plus, I didn't know if I was going to throw up on somebody. So I sat there through the meeting and I'm thinking the whole time, why didn't I stay home? Why didn't I stay at the hotel? I, you know, I don't even want to be here. I, maybe I should get a driver to take me home. And, you know, all of that. Ugh. Feel sorry for me. And when it was all over, Tom came and sat next to me and slapped me on the leg. And he said, well, Chad, you ready to go pray for some people? And being the prideful Superman that I am, I said... Yes, let's go pray for some people. So we went to pray for some people. Guess who was in my line? The little deaf girl and her mom. I already feel like I want to throw up. I already couldn't understand why God didn't heal her. I, I, and here she is in my line. So I knew what she wanted. I prayed, Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you open up her ears. In Jesus' name, amen. All of a sudden, the little girl started doing this. And I said to the interpreter, what happened? What's happening? He asked, she can hear. She can hear. I thought, wow, that is so cool. But God, why didn't you do it last night? So when we were done, I was walking up to grab my Bible on the platform.
And I said, Lord, why didn't you heal her last night? He said, I wanted you to see that it was not you, but me. You didn't even want to be here tonight. It was His anointing, not my great prayer, that set that little girl free. So there is an anointing at God's disposal anytime God chooses. So there's an anointing to be a Pastor Ted, to be a Pastor Mike, to be a greeter, to be a children's church worker. It's the same anointing Christ. We just need to plug into it. So let's get back to 1 Corinthians 12, 27, 28. God hath set in the church like a pillar to hold up the structure. First apostles, second prophets, third teachers. After that, miracles, gifts of healing. What's the word that comes next? Helps and administrations. So right in that same verse where we have supernatural, God-ordained, God-called, anointed apostles, prophets, teachers, miracles, gifts of healing, we also have a ministry that's a pillar in the church called helps and administrations and after that varieties of tongues. Now, if you could be any one of those things, what would you be? What would you be? Well, you, you pick one. What do you want to be? You want to be an apostle? A prophet? I, I don't consider myself apostle, an apostle, but I go to Africa, and when I'm there, they say, they call me Apostle Tiddy. And I just go, okay, Apostle Tiddy. My name's Ted. I didn't realize they weren't saying Teddy like my grandmother said and my mom said. They were saying Te, T-E-D, Teddy, Apostle Teddy. So here in this line are these anointed ministries. Which one do you want to be? You can pick anyone. I'm going to let you pick one. And the Scripture goes on to say, Paul says that we should desire the best gifts. But what are the best gifts? What are the best gifts? Well, I've heard preachers say the best gifts are the gifts that God's called you to. Cop out. Paul makes it very clear what the best gifts are. He asks the questions. Look in your Bible. You can help me answer them. Are all apostles? No. You can say no. Are all apostles? No. Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? No. Do all have gifts of healing? No. Uh, do all um, uh, work miracles? No. You can pray, but there's a special anointing for miracles. Then he skips helps and administrations and says, do all speak in tongues? Well, again, the answer is no here because this is tongues and interpretation of tongues in the church. How do you know that? Because then he asks the question, do all interpret? So do all prophesy in tongues in church? No. But desire the best gifts. What are the best gifts? The best gifts are the gifts that he didn't mention. Helps and administrations. 
So every one of us, regardless of whether you're the pastor or the keyboard player or the TED, every one of us can function and does function in the ministry of helps. It's only we, this pastor, your pastor is here, and according to Ephesians 4, he is equipping you, he's helping you by equipping you to do the work of the ministry. That's how he's helping you. One of the greatest things anyone ever said to me is, I don't want anything from you. I just want to help you be what God has called you to be. So, when I go to another country, when I come here, I'm helping Pastor Mike. I'm not Ted the Big Shot. I'm Ted the Helper. I came to help Pastor Mike by teaching you about this supernatural ministry called the ministry of the helper, the ministry of helps. How can, Pastor Ted, how can you say that it's a supernatural ministry? Because it's listed right there with all the other supernatural ministries, including tongues and interpretation of tongues, including apostle, prophet, teacher, miracles, gifts of healing. It's right there with all the other supernatural ministries is this desire to serve. And when we are in one accord, when we are one body, when we let all the schisms and the divisions and all the junk just fall away, God can do amazing things as He melts our hearts together. You know what you should be praying here? That God give you koinonia. Koinonia is a love, a brotherly love that's given by the Holy Spirit. It can't, it's not a love that you can just work up. It's given by the Holy Spirit. And so we know that our number one ministry, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Number two, be in the ministry of helps. Love your neighbor as yourself. I will tell you that... A re, that uh, uh, works do not produce a relationship with Christ. But a relationship with Christ will always produce works. You should be asking your pastor, Pastor, what can I do? What can I do? In a minute I'll show you where your ministry actually is. Let me give you an example of the ministry of helps and work at work and what God is able to do when people are willing to serve in Acts chapter 6, I'm just going to tell you this story. In Acts chapter 6, verse 1, it says that they, uh, a group of people came to the leaders and said, the Grecian widows are being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. What does that mean? The old ladies are not getting fed. Now, will that cause revival? Will that stop revival? This, these are old ladies. They're just missing out on the food. It's just a dirty bathroom. It's just a lawn that isn't mowed. It's just no one to teach children's church. It's just, I mean, those things don't, to me, seem really huge things. But the pastor understood, the leaders understood their calling. And they said, guys... It would not be right for us to, over, to, to leave our ministry of the Word of God and prayer in order to go wait on tables. Now, 
I, I will tell you, your pastor has the heart of a servant. I, I don't know a pastor or true shepherd that doesn't. But for most of us, if you come and say, hey, the old ladies need to be fed, we'll go, I can do that, I can help. But these guys were wise and they said it wouldn't be right for us to leave what we're called to do, plugged in, in order to wait on tables. And God gives us an example here that we miss. That we miss. Because God's desire is that every joint, what? Supply. If my elbow doesn't work, if both elbows are here but they don't work, how am I going to eat lunch? I'll have to eat lunch like that. The elbows are here, but unless I'm a good catch, we need all of the parts to be functioning and working. Now, in business and in church, there's something called, and it's a shame to the church, the 80-20 rule. 80% of the work is done by 20% of the people. Um, come here. So we have the body. And each local church is a microcosm of the body of Christ. What if 80% of the work of His body was done by 20% of His muscles? We would call Him crippled. We would call him a paraplegic. But God says when all the body works together, watch what I can do. So this saying pleased the, uh, the, the people that came and asked the question. And uh, they, they uh, uh, were told to go find seven guys who you know to be full of the Holy Ghost and, prayer, and uh, men of integrity and faithful and bring them to us and we'll lay hands on them. And I know that that's where we get the teaching, diakonos and deacons. But listen, reality. Let's talk reality. They maybe became something later, but right now they're going to be table waiters. You go to La Senorita, you go to whatever your restaurant is, and that person that brings out your dinner is a table waiter, not a deacon. They may be a deacon someday, but right now they're a table waiter. And so, Paul says, desire the best gifts. We know the best gifts are the ministry of helps and administrations. And then he says this, but now I'll show you a better way. He said, I'll show you how the ministry of helps works. What comes next? 1 Corinthians 13, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not love. See, the ministry of helps works by love. By love. You see paper on the floor. Man, there's your ministry for the hour. Bend down and pick it up. There's your ministry. But here's what typically happens. God gives a pastor a vision for the church. It's a supernatural thing. And he says, this is what I want for this church. This is what I want for this body of believers. And the pastor says, okay. And so then the pastor gets busy doing what God told him to do. You see, there's a spiritual part to the vision, but there's also a physical part to the vision. 
Because the work still has to be done and it's called ministry. So the pastor is worshiping the Lord. He's in the Word of God in prayer. And at the same time, he's trying to do the work of the ministry. And when he tries to do the Word of God in prayer and the work of the ministry, he drops things. Because he can't do it all alone. Every joint supplies. In Acts chapter 6, when those seven guys got busy waiting on tables... Three miracles happened. Number one, the Word of the Lord increased. Why? Because the pastor was in the Word of God in prayer. Number two, it says a great number of disciples were multiplied to the church. Not added like the second chapter of Acts. They were multiplied to the church. I'd rather have something multiplied to me than added to me. And number three, a great number of priests became obedient in the faith. And see, when I go teach this in foreign countries and they go teach it, the pastors put it to work. And they get their people to understand that what they're doing is not work, it's ministry. And there's an anointing connected with it. And God is able to add to the church. I was in Haiti uh, six months before the earthquake. We taught 200 pastors what I'm teaching you today, only it took me three days to do it. And, and so they went back to their churches and they began to, to tell their people and teach their people that what they do is ministry. And people began to understand it because they had that tug in their heart, that desire to serve, but they didn't know where to serve. And so they started getting busy doing what their hand found to do. And people were connected in the church Six months later, an earthquake happens. Haiti has the biggest revival that they have ever had. You never saw that on CNN or Fox News. But go home on YouTube and click Haiti Revival. You'll see a million people around their White House fasting and praying for three days in prayer. The church is filled up to overflowing. And our 200 pastors, they were ready to receive. A great number of priests became obedient to the faith. So, pastor has a vision. We know that he can't do everything himself. Bring my volunteers back up. We know that he can't do everything himself. So, and he's not the whole body. He's only part of the body. So, he calls men like this to be um, a worship leader. Grab a hold of this chair. And men like this, to be elder. And now the pastor's job is to keep the vision. Remember, this represents the vision. He needs to keep the vision on target. So he's got to keep his hand on the vision. Word of God and prayer, and he commits unto faithful men who are able to teach others also. But here's what happens. It happens all the time. Worship leaders, sometimes they think, hey, you can't do without me. I'm something. Well, Lucifer was a worship leader, so it stands to figure. So they begin to exalt their area of ministry. And so the pastor has to come in, teach a little bit, and go, no, no, no. Every joint supplies. That which I am a part of is greater than the part I play. That's not in the Bible, but it's a great saying. 
And so he makes the vision stay steady and moving forward. And then we have our... What were you? You're an elder. Then we have the elder. You know what? When pastor's gone... What was your name? Ron. You know what, Ron? I just want to tell you, when pastor's gone and you preach, I get so much out of it. It's like it just fills me with it. You know, I love pastor and all, but I'm telling you, you have such a great gift. The pastor has to go, no, 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 no. Every joint supplies, and he keeps the vision on target. Well, then God brings us children's workers. You scoot back just a little bit. Let our children's worker, no, scoot back. Let our children's worker grab a hold of that. And now our worship leader looks at the children's worker and goes, glorified babysitter. Anybody could change a diaper. This is the day. This Zacchaeus was a wheel. Come on. Anybody could do that stuff. And, and then we have the, our usher. Come over here, usher. And our usher is called to help hold up the vision. And the elder looks at him and he goes, I guess if nobody else can do it, that guy can do it. I could get a monkey to pass the bucket. You know, he's a nice guy, but I'm an elder. I'm important around here. They need my ministry. I'm a, I'm a worship leader. They need my ministry. All right. So, pastor keeps his hand on the vision goes to the Word of God in prayer. We've got people now that God has committed. Pastor commits unto faithful men who are able to teach others also. This is, a, this is a picture of the vision of the local church. Do you see it? Now, it does not exist simply to look pretty. It has a purpose. Now, this young man, can, he can come. Come and help me. Come up here. What's his, what's his name? Dan. Come here, Dan. Come come and help me. Today, Dan, you see, Dan's a crack dealer and uh, um, a, a rabble rouser. But he came to church today, and today he's giving his life to Jesus Christ. What do you think about that? You want to give your life to Jesus? Yes, sir. All right. Give him a hand clap. Yes, Dan. Now, come here, Dan. Now, where does Dan fit into the vision? Put the chair all the way down. And, Dan, I want you to sit on the chair. And I want you guys to pick the chair back up. This is where Dan belongs. He's a new believer. He's not ready to take his place helping in the church. He needs to be ministered to. So the worship leader ministers to him with, with song. And he feels himself being set free and in the presence of the Lord. And the elder helps him because he's got 17 children. And he, and he doesn't know what to do and his marriage is struggling. And so the elder helps him and he ministers to him. And he makes sure that he's built up. 
The children's church worker ministers to his 17 kids. And the usher makes sure that he always has a place to sit. All of these are ministering to Dan. And the pastor, he's keeping the vision straight. He's got his hand on Dan. Amen? Do you see it? Okay, now, here's what happens. The children's church worker, he did a crusade in the park yesterday. He is exhausted. He, 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 just, he just can't believe. You know, now today's Sunday. You know what? I'm like the expendable crewman. I think if I don't show up, I'm not on the schedule. Nobody will even notice. So he stays home from church. I want you to come around and grab a hold of that. So he stays home from church. Nobody's going to miss him, right? He's just a worse, well, just a children's church worker. And the usher, they had a work day yesterday, and, and nobody stayed to help and put the tools away. And he had to put all the tools away by himself. He is absolutely exhausted today, and to be honest, he's a little ticked off. So I'm not on the schedule today, so I'm going to stay in bed today. I'm going to stay in bed today. Amen? <laughs> now, what was that that you had said about the children? Zacchaeus was a glorified babysitter. Uh, anybody could do that. Let me ask you a question. How important is children's ministry to you right now? That's pretty important. It's pretty important. Okay, let's bring our children's church worker back. All right. And now we've got our elder, isn't he something? You know, remember you were talking about how a monkey could pass the buckets? I want to ask you a question, you big dog. How important is the usher's ministry to you right now? It's getting important. All right, let's bring our usher back. You see, every joint supplies. When you don't come to church, whether you're on the schedule or not, we feel it. We feel it. You might think you're just warm in a chair, but we feel it. So now, Dan. Dan has been a great student of God's Word. And he has become a wonderful disciple. That's right. Let's set Dan down. And so Dan is ready to take his place in the body of Christ. And so lift the chair back up. We have committed unto faithful men who are able to teach others also. Just grab a hold, two hands right there. And he takes his place in the vision of the local church. We have committed unto faithful men who are able to teach others also. Amen? Now I see you. I see tears in your eyes. I, you know, I know God is speaking to you. This is your day. This is your day that the Lord has made. Are you ready to commit your life to Jesus Christ? Amen. All right. Put the chair down. This is her day. Thank God for forgiveness of sin. Raise it back up. Dan, help! Help, Dan! 
See, the vision of the local church, the helpers in the local church, are, are not just so that we can look pretty. It's for Dan and Jeannie. It's for the unsaved. It's so that they can be ministered to by the usher. I don't care. Pick a part. A greeter. I'm waiting for the day that someday the greeters recognize that they have an anointing on their lives. And they're standing at the back door shaking hands. Welcome to the church. Welcome to the church. And comes 10.30 and the pastor walks into the sanctuary and he goes, Where is everybody? Nobody came to church today? Are you kidding? And the usher comes in all excited and says, the greeters have been just shaking hands with people. They're getting set free from demons and they're being healed and slain in the Spirit and God is doing an amazing work in the parking lot! All because somebody recognized that what they do is not in their own strength. But whatever you do, in word or deed, you do it as unto the Lord. Amen? There's an anointing for every part. Jeannie, you've been a great disciple. Let's get Jeannie busy in the local church. Jeannie, take your place right here. Lift up the chair. Come on, Dan. Sometimes you have to encourage guys. You know, you get, you get, now today, you're going to receive Jesus Christ. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> you were nervous though, weren't you guys? You got a little, normally, I, I do it, but... Uh, he looked like he wanted to be a part. Okay, so you have the vision of the local church. The pastor is committing unto faithful men who is able to teach others also, keeping his hand on the vision, and you are ministering to the people that God brings into the church. They're coming to faith in Jesus Christ, and you are ministering to them the gifts that God gave you, whether you're a greeter or just a really great worshiper. You are ministering to them as they come in. Go ahead and put that down. Give our guys a good hand clap, would you please? Now, let me wrap this up. Everybody in here has a ministry. I'm going to show you what, what your ministry is. Because this is a question. If you go to yourministrymatters.com or ministryofhelps.com, I just wrote it in my blog, what I'm about to tell you. People come and they say, I don't know what I'm called to do. I don't know what my ministry is. I say, I can have that. And you know where this came from? 73-year-old, 72, I don't know how old he was, he was a superintendent for the Assemblies of God in the state of Iowa. That's the big dog in the state. And I was going to be out of the country when he retired, so I went in and made an appointment and just wanted to go in and say, thank you for all you've done for me. Because I hadn't been a part of the assembly for that long. Thank you for loving me when I was a hammerhead. And, and I, I just want you, brother... 
to pray for me. Would you pray for me? I have to be out of the country when I have your party. Here this guy is, 72 years old, and he begins to weep. And he said, Ted, I want you to pray for me. I said, Brother Arrowwood, what, what could I pray for you for? 72 years old. He said, I want you to pray that I don't miss my destiny. That I don't miss my destiny. So I began to ask him some questions. I said, Brother Arrowwood, don't we believe that the steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord? That God is ordering our steps? That you're not here by accident this morning? God brought you here on purpose. Don't we believe, Brother Arrowwood, that God orders our steps? He said, yes, we believe that. I said, according to Ephesians 2.10, don't we believe that there are good works prepared in advance? Opportunities to serve prepared in advance? That we should walk in them. That means that my destiny is somewhere between where my back foot is and my front foot lands. There is a good work prepared in advance that I should walk into it. And guess what? God is ordering my steps. But I don't know what to do. Well, our God is such a good God. He has given you two on board, supernatural, God-ordained ministry finders so that you can't miss your ministry. Take one hand and put it up like this. Take your other hand and put it up like this. Put them in front of your face. There are your ministry finders. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. What can you reach? Be blessed. What can you reach? I was mentoring a couple of young men and uh, I had to go. I was meeting with them during the day in an office, and I had to go. We, you know, the, I'd covered the material, and they were both hoping to be, um, you know, certified and licensed with the AG. And so I was doing this mentoring program, and we were talking. And I said, "Look, listen, guys, I got an appointment. I got to go. Just walk with me to the car, and, and we'll finish this up as we walk." So we walked to the car. We're standing there at the car talking about ministry and their desire for ministry and to be used of God. And all of a sudden, while we're standing there at the car, one of them reached down and picked up a piece of paper and just shoved it in his pocket and continued to listen to me. I said, Mike, you are in the ministry. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. You did it. You are in the ministry. It's not someday, it's today. So what are you called to do? Know that God's ordered your steps, that there are good works prepared in advance, and what can you reach? You know what? It doesn't mean you're going to be doing it forever. I don't want to work in children's church. It doesn't mean you're going to do it forever. What if there's a move of God and there's, there's the, the pastor has a word for me? 
<clears throat> you think God can't find you in the children's church? And besides, you get blessed. You get blessed when you do the work of the ministry. A young man named David, when we lived in Midland, I used to uh, do prison ministry 12 times a month on my own time, on my own dime. And David used to uh, drive me. Sometimes we'd go across the straits to Kinross. We were all over the state about 10 or 12 times a month. David used to show up at my house with a thermos of coffee and a couple of styrofoam cups. And uh, he would drive my car to wherever we were going and I'd just go over my notes because I just got out of work. I'd go over my notes for what I was going to teach that night. We did this for a couple of years. One day David came to me and he said, Pastor Ted, can I mow your lawn? I said, David, why do you want to mow my lawn? He said, because the Bible says you should be in the Word of God in prayer. So I want to help you out by mowing your lawn. I said, David, I can mow my own lawn. He said, no, come on, let me do it. I said, okay, knock yourself out. Mow my lawn. Well, it gets hot in Midland. It's farther south. And I would see David out there just sweating and sweating and pushing that lawnmower in the big yard. And, and, and he's out there mowing the grass. And I'm feeling guilty because I'm watching him through the window. So I went to him after a period of time and I said, David, listen, I can mow my own lawn. You don't have to mow it. I could use the exercise, you know. I, I so appreciate what you did for me, but let me mow my own lawn, all right? And he said, well, Pastor, if that's the way you want it. And I said, yeah, that's the way I want it. So I started mowing my lawn, mowed it for a couple of weeks. One day David came to me. And he said, Pastor, can I ask you a question? I said, sure. He said, have I done something to offend you? I said, no, David, how could you do that? You're a great brother. Well, if I haven't done anything to offend you, how come I can't mow your lawn? You don't understand. Every time I mow your lawn, I get blessed. You're robbing from me. David and his wife, Kimmy, could never have children. But a faithful man abounds with blessing. Now, I want to tell you, you don't serve to be blessed. You serve because you are blessed with the person and the presence of Jesus Christ. But God blessed that faithful man, and they got a baby. They got a baby. See, God will bless you. But let it be because you love Him and you want to honor Him by doing what your hand finds to do. We say amen? Now, I know you're getting ready to start Royal Rangers. I want to encourage you. You say, well, I don't know. I don't even like kids. You know what? 
first time I went to Iowa or to um, India, I hated it so bad. I only wanted to go to one week. Tom, want, Tom wanted me to go two, so finally I gave up and said I'll go two. After the first week, I wanted to come home so bad. I hate rats. I hate curry. Everybody smells like curry or armpit or, you know, it's just, ugh, I couldn't stand it. I mean, you have to close it. The hotel is, is, is concrete. You've got to close your bathroom door, which is metal, to keep the rats that come up the toilet from coming in your room. You know, just, ugh. I, I was so far out of my comfort zone. Now, I was hoping there'd be an emergency back in Iowa. You know, Ted, brother, Jim died. You better get home. You know, just because I, I wanted to go home so bad. I wanted to go home so bad. It was the worst mission strip of my life. When I would step up to begin to teach the thing that God had called me to teach, and I sensed that anointing, and I watched those pastors' eyes light up. Oh, my, my, my. I knew that's what I was created to do. I've been back to India six times. Why? I tell the Indian people now, you want to know what my worst missions trip was? It was coming to India the first time. You want to know what my best one is? Right now. Right now. Right in front of you. Because God adds something to your life when you're faithful with what's in front of you. He adds it. Father, thank you for this body of believers. Lord, I don't know much, but I do know that they've been wounded, that they're getting their feet back under them. Lord, I will say with full assurance that God has brought you to this house for such a time as this. And what you're experiencing, I've seen people experiencing all over the country. It happened to us. Lord, help these people to stay faithful. Give them a love and a passion for you, Jesus, like never before. Let them, Lord, have a fire and a zeal burning in them to be a pillar in this house, to be a helper. Just like Pastor Mike is a helper and I'm a helper. Lord, let him have a zeal to do the work of the ministry. Be glorified now, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Did you learn anything? All right. Stand to your feet. Can I dismiss? Does anybody care? Yeah, I was like, please do. <laughs> I'm going to send my wife out there. There are books on the glass table. And 
It's got lots of stuff in there that will change your life and teach you about your ministry. So here's what I want you to do. This is the way I closed every service in Iowa. And when I preach for Pastor Jack, I close him like that. Raise your right hand to heaven. Your other right hand. There you go. Until we come together again, I declare God's angels do watch over you to protect you, to keep you safe. That no weapon formed against you prospers, no sickness, disease, no rapist, robber, murderer, nothing can stand against the blood covenant you have with Jesus Christ and have ultimate victory in your life. I declare according to God's design, His plan, and His purpose that you are today, right now, walking into a closer relationship with Jesus than you ever dreamed possible. Therefore, your relationships with one another grow closer together. Your marriage is stronger and your children have great peace for they're taught of the Lord. And I send you forth as a flame of fire, bringing light, life, and revival to every person you come in contact with. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You're dismissed.